Super Talk Mississippi media production. State Treasurer David McRae has put millions back into the hands of Mississippi citizens, expanding the state's affordable college and career savings program and also returning record amounts of unclaimed money. Check out how Treasurer David McRae's office can help you, your business, or your organization. Treasury.ms.gov. Celebrating the amazing people of coastal Mississippi and across this great state who are working hard to make this a great place to live, work, and play. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome to the Ricky Matthews Show. Thank you for joining us. We we celebrate the men and women in uh, coastal Mississippi and really across this great state, the people who are working so hard to make this a great place to live work and play. We're going to be visiting with Michael Sunderman here in just a second, who is uh, a, a dear friend and someone who's on the on the uh, show a lot. We're going to talk about gaming and tourism and a long list of other topics. I want to share something I came across uh, that a friend of mine posted. Uh, and by the way, who posted this? Her name is Zoe. She's actually a singer-songwriter whose songs in Australia have been number one. And she's in she's in Nashville now. And where I met her is through Steve Steve Azar at his Mockingbird Songwriters Festival last year. And she's just a, a really down to earth person who is doing having a lot of success in her life. And on her Instagram page, she posted this, and it just it caught my attention. And I wanted to share it with you. I'll tell you who who said it here in just a second. But here's what it says: I wonder what would happen. If we took a little extra time to listen to someone else's story, if we hugged a wounded warrior until they collapsed so deeply into our arms that we would feel their pain unravel, I wonder what would happen if we choose our words with greater intention, if we lifted each other up in, in more soul-to-soul soul conversations. I wonder what would happen if we gave without expecting single th- a single thing in return, if we loved simply because we were asked to. I wonder what would happen if we chose peace over war, built tables rather than walls, bridges rather than fences, boats rather than battlefields. Would there be more of us singing and less of us sinking? I think, you know, what really got my attention about that is if we would, uh, I wonder what would happen if we chose our words with greater intention. You know, social media enables us to say things we wouldn't say to someone if we were to see them in their face or have to look them in the eye. This was uh, Yuli Kay who said that, and the name of it was Soul to Soul. And I want to thank my friend Zoe for posting this. So now let's move over to my friend Michael Sunderman, who is the president and publisher of M2 Media. Uh, you know his company well. They've published South Mississippi Living Magazine here in coastal Mississippi, also Mississippi Jackpot, Mississippi Gaming News, and he's really got a diversified publishing company, and he's just a good friend. How you doing, Michael? Great, Ricky. Congrats on the new branding, the Ricky Matthews Show. Thanks. Well, you know, here's the, it's so easy to yeah. explain. Coast View served us well. It really did. Uh, VUE, uh, the French term for visual perception of a region, really fit well. And for regular listeners, they sort of understood what the show was about. But as new people came to the show, they were a little confused, to be quite honest with you. And we got comments from time to time. When people would, I, I don't go, you know, I don't get go to meetings very often. But when I do, like uh, the One Coast Awards or something like that, 
um, people tend to talk about it being Ricky's show. They don't mm-hmm. say Kosiu. So we just, you know, after a lot of internal discussion, we said, look, we're going to simplify the branding on this and just you know, call it what people, how they refer to it. And so that's yeah. that's why we went in that direction. Your brand. Take advantage it's my- that's my yeah absolutely absolutely so so thank you though you've been you've been one of the reasons we've been successful because you come on a regular basis and and we share uh, you know we 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 get a lot of input man when you're in the publishing business the way that you are and when you do a show like I do we get to talk to a lot of people of all walks of life almost every single day. And because of what we do and why we do it, we get a lot of information. I mean, we just got to we get a good feel for what's going on in the community. What are you hearing these days, just in general? How has has the state of the world in your arena? Uh, we're solid. Um, you know, in, in the print business, it's paper pricing. Uh, it's gone up forty percent in the last two two years or so, and that adds just a lot of overhead to us, which I don't yeah. like. Um, you can negotiate all you want, but you know it's the pandemic just drove a lot of people out, and then what papers left, uh, they're asking premium pricing for it, or they they can't get enough of it. So we're buying almost in bulk and storing it at a warehouse. So yeah, all you can do to keep the prices down. So well, as you know, again, uh, just another um, another iteration of you know this sort of print to digital you know digital tsunami where you guys have done a great job of developing a, a good business uh, around a printed product uh, but as as other magazines you know fold or whatever they do and the pressure on the printers the, the pressure on the manufacturers who make the paper are are just as stiff as yours, and you know they've got to figure out where they're going to get get their revenue. And price increases is usually how that happens. Um, I know it can be tough, but but you, you you did you ever think that you'd be buying paper and storing it in a warehouse that you know at beneficial costs? No, no, I like being a, just a, a a customer that you know is, is served. Um, but it's, it's the only way if you commit to a bulk purchase that you can keep those prices reasonable. Yeah, yeah, I, I know you can. Well, it's good. It's good to hear that things are going well. I hate yep. that you're facing those kind of those kind of increases, but you're not alone, man. I mean, uh, you know, no. as you pointed out in the in the wake of the pandemic, with supply chain issues, uh, increases in costs were kind of the name of the game for so many businesses. I know that's starting to put, put on national inflation. On top of that, everything's gone up. You know, everything yeah. we touch seems to be more expensive. Yeah. So as you guys are out and about in the community and really across the state talking to casinos and uh, tourist-oriented businesses and retailers and a long list of others that you do business with or, or who do, do business with, with you, what's, what's the word on the streets from, from your customers? Casinos are still doing wonderfully well. Um, sometimes they scratch their head and ask where, where they're coming from or when they're going to stop coming. Um, they... They are doing a great job of, of getting the word out, but you know I also think that we give them a good experience down here. It's it's not Las Vegas, it's not Lang City, it's not something else. So we give them a good experience, and you know they go back and tell their friends, and they keep bringing more people down here. So we're doing a lot of things right. Um, we're offering a very safe environment. You know, there's still COVID protocols. There's still a lot of things they don't do, like buffets, and a lot of valets are still shut down because they don't want that one-on-one contact right from the get-go to spread it through their casino. So they're doing a lot of things right, but they're also um, they're also pleasantly surprised at how good business is right now. 
Yeah, that's that's exactly what I hear as well. Um, we, you and I know this. We know this to our core that casinos, as a general rule, are incredible marketers. They understand how to use data. Um, they revolutionized the use of database in a marketing sense long before it was sort of the cool thing to yep. do. But, you know, it, and I would say, too, that in spite of all the noise around Costa Mississippi tourism a couple of years ago, um, it was unfortunate we had to go through that. Thank God we're not having that noise today. That's, that's important to note. But in spite of the fact it was all that noise, that organization still was very focused on doing something that I think was incredibly important to coastal Mississippi. And it mirrored what a lot of the casinos were doing as well. And that is they focused on 80% of the people who come to coastal Mississippi come here by car. And they focused on that drive-in market. And they introduced this market to a whole new cadre of people that hadn't been coming here. Yep. And as you pointed out, once they came here and they had that positive experience, a lot of it has to do with the people of Costa Mississippi and how they're, how these visitors are being treated. They went back and told people, and they put it on their social media that they had a great visit. And they not only did they come back themselves, but their, their family and their friends came back. And the thing, the, let's just face it, the thing that got the, the, that made casino operators a little worried, a little concerned, a little wondering how is this going to play out when all that federal money, all that unemployment dollars and all that federal money was out there to sort of spur the economy. What happens when that money is no longer there? What would we experience? And, um, you know, again, it's not anything like they expected it to be. And, yep. and it's costed them a little more money to get it. But the reality is they've, they've performed pretty well when other markets have really um, had some challenges. Yeah, and they're, and they're also they're also going out and bringing business farther out. In some cases, like the Beau Rivage and the plane programs, there are well over a million new customers brought in on charter planes. And and. More than half the casinos have reinvested in their properties, new restaurant designs, uh, new gaming space, new machines. So they're giving people a fresh reason to come here all the time versus just letting that thing get old and dusty. Uh, the rooms yeah. have been remodeled in many cases. So you're giving you're giving the casino uh, patron a very good experience and a good reason to come back and more reason to tell your friend to come back with you next time. Yeah, literally every one of them that I talk to, there's some kind of capital improvement happening as we speak, either underway as we speak or about to get underway in a big way. And you mentioned the charter flights. I had a recent conversation with Jonathan Jones from Harris, and you know they've been very aggressive and active in that arena. And Clay Williams, when when I have conversations with Clay from the from the airport. Uh, the role that the casinos had played in diversifying the revenue stream for the airport is, you know, I wouldn't say save the airport because, I mean, the airport was going to yeah. be fine, but certainly help the, the airport recover really pretty quickly under the, you know, when you think about how airline or airlines were, were impacted by uh, by COVID. Big, big, big contribution well, there. I think, I think casinos in general uh, have made the state an amazing attraction, amazing uh, tourist destination, and a quality experience for anyone that comes here. There is no doubt about here. that. Hey, listen, we're visiting with Michael Sunderman. He's the president publisher of M2 Media. You know him through Jackpot Magazine, South Mississippi Living. He's a diversified publisher. We'll see uh, more from him on the other side. We'll see you after this break. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of The Ricky Matthews Show on your laptop, desktop, or your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. 
His passion and love for coastal Mississippi is why he's here. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to my show. I'm so pleased to have my friend. And I do I do mean friend. I've said it many times on this show that Michael and I once were competitors. But even when we were competitors, we were friendly competitors. We had deep respect for one another and stayed in touch. He went off to run a bunch of newspapers for, for Morris Communications, and I went to work for Advanced County NASA, largest privately owned media company in the United States, so we followed one another's careers, yep. and now I'm back and retired and doing this show, and he, he still, you know, he came back to coastal Mississippi with a big commitment to what he's doing today, so I enjoy visiting with him. Hey, yesterday on my show, Michael, I had Kevin Coggins from the Coast Transit Authority, yep. and one of the points that I made is after Katrina, I got to know Kevin really well because as the chairman of the tourism effort for the governor's commission, Kevin worked closely with us and and we, we you know we we worked together on lots of things, how to get money to finish the comfort stations on the beach and things like that. But one of the, he actually said something during the conversation that I thought was really important. He said the further we get away from Katrina, he, he wished that people would not go to silos. Yeah, silos are are a place where. So you get find comfort there, but one of the things we found after Hurricane Katrina is we were working together in, in a massive way, and he says we should never lose what we learned after Katrina and continue to work together in this this sort of way. But when he mentioned, uh, he said there's one really big exception to the rule these days, and he said the aquarium, the way the aquarium has worked with Mississippi Aquarium has worked with Coast Transit Authority and where its location is and all the stuff that's mm-hmm. swirling around there. Now the, the, the ramp over Highway 90. Bridge, yeah. um, I mean, that's becoming a nice little spot there. You're, you're a member of the board for the, for the uh, uh, Mississippi Aquarium. But, but you know, it's, it's all coming together, isn't it? It is. And, uh, and the CTA, uh, we, we use their parking garage for our, our uh, aquarium guests, too, which is great. And they get a little discount for that, too. But he's right. Um, and that, that, that bridge work will actually have a moving walkway. It'll have a bike path and a walking path into Jones Park. And I think that could really, really uh, open up a lot of special events in Jones Park. And, and the city of Gulfport is thinking that way already. I love the design of it. I had Billy Hughes on recently, and that sort of S design, it's just not straight over mm-hmm. the way it sort of comes into Jones Park. You know, it's like, I a, river. Re- it's like a river feeding into the aquarium. No, you know what? There you go. There you go. <laughs> That's right, um, yeah. But you know, it was interesting because I remember there were all these debates prior to Katrina about what you know the the role of Jones Park and what could be done at Jones Park versus what couldn't be done. You know, things. These are some of the requirements the Jones family put in place back many many years ago. But Katrina helped us come to grips with what we wanted that organ and what with that space to be. And man, is it realized that the the plants and you know the uh, Barksdale Pavilion and the way all this fits together with you know bringing the the Ship Island Lighthouse there in the harbor and uh, as I said to you many times and I've said to others that I've had on the show when we talk about the Mississippi Aquarium to stand on that campus and look out over Jones Park and and the harbor it's one of the unique sites like it in the entire United States absolutely especially uh, around Christmas time when the when the lights are on over there um, it's really it really is spectacular and just another great reason to bring people here and local families can enjoy it as well. So we hope everybody comes to the aquarium. I think I still meet too many people that say we've never been there. Yeah. And I said, well, you need to get your little butts back down there. So it's really, it's really worth the visit. 
Hey, one of the things I'll, I'll point out about the, the aquarium, and this is in my conversations with Kurt, the executive director there, and with people like you and others, is that the um, you spend a lot of time trying to collect feedback from visitors. And the other thing is, it, when you have an attraction like that, you never can just rest on your lawn. You don't just like open it up and say, "Okay, here's 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 what it's going to be." You're constantly making changes to exhibits and bringing new exhibits in and and you listen carefully to what people are saying and as a result of that uh the aquarium is, i would say is in a constant state of improvement and constant state of change even pricing for example you looking at midweek pricing yep. you know stuff like that that you guys have done if you haven't been to the aquarium in a while you probably ought to think about going back and if you have never been to the aquarium you should really take the time and go see it um, but there's a lot of you know strategic focus there, isn't there? There really is, and um, uh, we're not supposed to say a whole lot about what we're doing right now with the expansion. It's supposed to be a secret, but it's really uh, the word's kind of out. And you saw a big truck, you know, going down a couple weeks ago with these giant tanks on them. Well, those are tanks that we purchased a couple years ago from the Rainforest Cafe when Katrina hit, or not Katrina, hit, uh, COVID hit. Uh, they, they, they didn't want to buy them yet. So we, we bought them at a great discount, stored them in our ARC, the uh, research facility uh, off of, off, uh, behind Centennial Plaza. And now we're bringing them in there and we're taking building 30 and putting about 30 or 40 new tanks and displays in there, anything from some seahorses to river fish to saltwater, tropical fish. And as you said, the feedback from the exit interviews told us that, People wanted to see more there. They wanted to extend the stay. They wanted something they they could stay there for two or three hours. You know, so we're 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 going to uh, extend that stay with more attractions. We're working on plans for, you know, we own penguins. I don't know if you know that we own penguins, but they're in the research facility. We bring them to campus sometimes to have interactions, which people love. But we're building a huge. Uh, are planning to build a huge penguin exhibit. Uh, and that's very complicated because apparently penguins are very gassy. So it has to have a <laughs> huge ventilation system, all this other stuff. And cold, it has to be a little cold. So um, that'll be that'll be kind of on the west side of, of, uh, of the aquarium. So but a lot's happening there. And just like the casinos, you got to keep reinventing yourself. And we need to give the visitors to the aquarium more reasons to come back and more reasons to tell their friends what a great time. But the people that go there... Uh, I talked to a lot of parents and kids. They love it. Uh, the kids will sit there in the big tank for hours just looking at those fish. Yeah, that, that's definitely true of my grandkids. That's for sure. Such a such a massive investment that the state and and uh, multiple entities have have made in this, and um, it's a part of our future from from now on. The, the, the rea reality is that. We always knew, and I, I certainly learned this well after after Hurricane Katrina. If you think about, it, we may never be officially a tier one destination resort, but but you look at the four criteria that makes up a tier one destination resort, and one is you got to have hotel rooms. Second, you got to have a really good airport. Third, you got to have convention space, and and fourth, you have to have attractions. So we, yep. we always knew and this was actually one of our goals coming out of Hurricane Katrina. And we we very specifically talked about this that we need non-gaming attractions. You know, you got Margaritaville that's doing what it's doing, 
You're seeing more things like that crop up all across coastal Mississippi. The aquarium is sort of the crown jewel of that. And, um, and that's what makes this a great place to visit. I mean, it's always good. I mean, it's going to be like that from now on. So we're lucky we have it because there are very few communities that would have been able to afford to build an aquarium in this day and time. Don't yeah, you agree we're, with that? we're coming up on, with the expansions that we'll be, you know, coming close to hundred million dollars on that project pretty soon, and that's a significant investment for any city or any region to to take on. Um, so you know, we we ask the public to to give us a shot and and, and come down and see us and. And if you like what you see, tell us. If you don't like what you see, tell us, and we'll try to fix that one, too. So yeah. we, we, we think the future is pretty bright down there. One of the things that um, that you and I have chatted about before, but, but I think it's important for people to know this, you got a, you've got a really good board, don't you? We really do. We have all kind of banking, uh, retired executives like Johnny Atherton from Mississippi Power. Uh, we've got marketing people. We've got uh, university people. And, and when you have a board like that, there's really not a problem that we can't put our heads together and perhaps not solve 100%, but certainly uh, steer the ship in the right direction. And uh, it's an active board. We meet at least once a month. Um, it's a commitment. It really is a commitment. Um, and uh, I'll give kudos to uh, Mayor Billy Hughes because he prompted us about a year ago saying, hey, guys, I need you guys to be more active. So we went from quarterly meetings to about monthly meetings, and we we also have you know human resources boards, we have uh, marketing boards, we have finance boards. So they review everything, um, and then we we try we try to help Kurt and his team as much as possible. We just we just got a new CFO, we just got a new marketing director. So we're we're doing a lot of good things and and trying to turn that curve or you know straighten that curve out a little bit to profitability pretty soon. Well, that's 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 all excellent. That's all excellent to hear. You know, one of the one of the big gaming um, events was the the gaming symposium, and that's changed now. But but one thing that has not changed is this recognition of Hall of Fame members to for, in the gaming community from Mississippi, people who've contributed in very big ways. You're you're in a good good spot, man. You're you're a major organizer of that of that event, and uh, so why don't you tell people? You know, it used to be associated with a symposium, but now it's in a sort of a different iteration. Why don't you explain to people sort of where we are today with that, and how does the Hall of Fame effort kind of fit into all that? Sure, the Southern Gaming Sevens, you know, several several years old now. Uh, and it used to be huge. We used to do, do it down at the Coast Coliseum. You had all the vendors, the slot machine manufacturers, uniform companies, you name it, chips and card companies. But you find out that uh, the big show every year out in Las Vegas uh, takes all the wind out of their sales and uh, all, their, all their marketing dollars. So um, our, our, some, our Southern Gaming Summit uh, uh, convention space kept shrinking. So we just looked at it and said, you know what? Um, let's focus on things we do better. So the, the Gaming Hall of Fame was by far the shining star of that event. We would get anywhere from five to 700 people there at that event at the Bow and bringing dignitaries and, and officials from the state in uh, over the last four uh, inductees. That's uh, just a who's who of gaming. So, um, so we focus on that now. And then uh, we're going to do a, a statewide golf tournament for the casinos and their 
and their um, invited guests. It can be that can be politicians, it can be top vendors, it can be whatever you want. That you know you're paying for the team and you do what you want. But the symposium or the uh, Hall of Fame is going to be June 29th at the Bow. We'll be inducting four great new people: Chevis Sweatman from People's Bank as an industry pioneer, uh, the Ralph Inglesat Family Foundation, the start the start of the uh, IP and start of the funds that are now the Baker McCarty Foundation money. Uh, the uh, Bobby Moak from the Gaming Commission and uh, your friend Governor Haley Barber. So, so, so actually, we're, we're going to talk about each one of those here okay. when we come back on the other side. Really important. We'll see you after this with Michael Sunderman. Subscribe for free to the Ricky Matthew Show podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Reminding you why we all love living in coastal Mississippi. It's the Ricky Matthew Show on Super Talk 103.1. Welcome back to my show. I have my friend Michael Sunderman from M2 Media. You know him from South Mississippi Living and Discover South Mississippi and Jackpot Magazine, Mississippi Gaming News, and other publications that they're involved with. A diversified publishing company, very, very successful. And he's got a good finger on the pulse of coastal Mississippi and really the state for that matter. Michael, when we went to break, we're talking about the four inductees into the uh, the the new game the Hall, gaming Hall of Fame that yep. will be coming up here soon. Let's take each one of them and okay. uh, and and talk about them a little bit. So let's take number, the first one. Chevis Chevis Sweatman from People's Bank. If you recall, early on in gaming, when when the casinos just started to arrive, nobody wanted to bank the, the casinos. Nobody wanted to touch them, uh, whether it was their board or whatever. They just thought it was a big risk, and uh, so um, they just did not help out the casinos. So Chevis was pro-gaming, and Chevis was one of the first banks to step up and said, bring it on. I'll do your payroll. I'll do your, I'll do your cash management. You need, need, need a bridge loan? We got you. So he really, really uh, gave the casinos a good chance to be successful. Yeah, actually, one of my most popular early shows was my show with Chevis. And... Um, I mean, when we say he was the casino's banker, he he really was. And he actually tells the story of how far out there he got with the loans and how how much how how aggressive he was in helping you know build coastal Mississippi casinos and when uh, when other lenders started to come to the table, um, you know you would think that he would say something like, "Well, look, don't come now. You you weren't there yeah. when we needed you." He was thrilled to have him. To be quite honest, we well, he was, was he was getting up to here where he was fine to share the risk, yeah. fine to share the risk. But the truth is, without someone like a visionary like Chavez at the table to help us. Help us, uh, you know, build what was just untested situation that became, as we know it, this this wonderful, uh, you know, gaming destination. Without people like Chevis, we'd have been toast. So, as people who don't know Chevis Sweatman, he's People's Bank, and he's been an incredible leader. I've worked with him in the community for most of my adult life, and worked extremely close with him, but before and after Katrina, what a terrific leader he is, and he's still out there swinging today, isn't he? And a big Shuckers fan, too. 
A big shot. He well, he was a big hockey fan too. Yep. Hey, so uh, okay, the shut the uh, Ingolstadt family foundation really unique such setup. But I'll let you start. Go ahead. Yeah, they're an energy influencer, and um, if you think back to the days of the early IP that Ralph Ingolstadt owned it, remember he built those extra fl- floors on top without getting a whole lot of permission <laughs> in the in the line of a Kieser Air Force Base. Anyway, he he uh, when it came time to sell. Part of the part of the purchase agreement was uh, tied to, and I can't remember the number exactly. I think four or five million had to be given out to the local community over a period of years. So we thought that was a great reason uh, for them to be supported and inducted. Uh, and that's and if, if and then that night, that whole night, our charity on record that night is the Baco Foundation of South Mississippi, which is how a lot of them, uh, a lot of the money came to the Baco. In the beginning, with the Ralph Ingolstadt donations, the IP and the staff said, "Listen, we don't have time to be a, a clearinghouse for all these charities." Todd Trenchart uh, and your board, you take this over and 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 screen the charities and and do what you think is best. So that's how we got millions. And then the Bake Off Foundation has received, I think, three and a half million dollars now from the IP since then. It's staggering. Well, what's what's really what's really special about that actually is that. From the transition from the Ingolstadt Family Foundation that owned the IP to Boyd Gaming, who owns it today, Boyd Gaming has remained committed, and that's been awesome to be able to see. You don't always see that. You don't see an outside gaming organization come into a community like ours and sign up for that kind of commitment, and they've done that, and they've continued to do that. It's really awesome to see. Uh, Ralph Engelstadt was a unique character. You know, it was uh, it was you know, what what uh, Michael was referring to is that when the Beau Rivage was being built and IP was being built, you had two you know titans from Las Vegas going to war with one another, and each of them wanted to have the 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 tallest building. And so, what yeah. the, the, the way state. Ralph in the state, yeah. And what, what Ralph Engelstad, the way he wanted to, to win that was he just decided to build an extra floor without telling anybody he was doing it. <laughs> it was it was quite a story, wasn't it, Michael? Yep. So he beat him by 10 foot or so, yeah. <laughs> and uh, st- by the way, Steve Wynn, Steve Wynn, who now has Wynn um, Gaming in Las Vegas, uh, Steve Wynn was that other really potent personality. So those two guys going at it together, it was really interesting. When, when Ralph Engelstad died... He went. Um, he he had uh, set up the Singlestat Family Foundation and had his lawyer and his accountant were were members of that board of trustees and his daughter, and um, and they continued on for quite a while and then eventually decided to to sell and that's what they did and uh, and that's how it became Boy Gaming. But what a unique what a unique. Um, uh, recipient uh, for yes. for the award, terrific. Yes. Next one's Bobby Moak. Bobby Moak was the original one of the original uh, gaming commission uh, uh, guys, and if you think back to how uh, how Mississippi started, you had to write all the bylaws and all the rules of gaming and what it takes to be, get a license. That's that was pretty intense work back then, and they did it. They did it so well. If you look back at the rules, or you look at the rules today, they're not much different than they were back then. So it's just like when the you know our founders wrote the uh, Declaration of Independence, and they got it right right from the start. So Bobby was a, a leader in getting the rules and gaming laws uh, written and passed, and it was not an easy thing to do to pass that through legislature. He had 
have a lot of meetings, I'm sure, um, uh, to make people comfortable. Yeah. Uh, throughout the state, you know, really, if you look at gaming in Mississippi, there's only a few pockets around the state that there's gaming at. You know, there's Tunica, there's there's a, a Greenville, there's a Vicksburg, Natchez, and the coast, um, and uh, Indian gaming up in Philadelphia. So the majority of the state kept ruling against this stuff. So he they had they had a tough fight to get gaming passed, and now now they did pass it. They do a the, the gaming commission does a wonderful job of enforcing the rules and being fair, uh, but firm with the casinos. You know you know we've not had any big scandals in the state since I've been here. Yeah, Bobby was a long time, if I remember right, the longtime chairman of the gaming committee in the legislature, and as you pointed out, we had an active role in making sure that. We had we had ironclad legislation. You know, people criticized Roland Weeks, who initially had had issues and editorialized against gaming. And the reason he did that was that we did not have all the rules in place to make this what it needed to be. And what ended up happening after that, he wasn't the only one who had issues with it. But what ended up happening after that is that Mississippi decided to to what what essentially is what they did. They passed legislation that that more mirrored what they do in Las Vegas, letting the free enterprise system sort of take care of it, uh, not limiting the number of casinos, having a gaming commission that would oversee the gaming industry, et cetera. And to come out of the, I mean, buddy, they came out of the pike with that almost immediately hitting on every cylinder, having all the pieces in place yep. to assure the growth of uh, casinos in Mississippi were done in a way that were abiding by Mississippi's regulations, et cetera. Just a, just a terrific leadership role in that. That, that is for it. sure. And, and going on to our fourth inductee, speaking of leaders, uh, how could you say that former Governor Haley Barber is not one of the greatest leaders the state's ever had? Uh, and he... He really spearheaded a lot of things to do with gaming. Uh, and then you look at what happened after Katrina. You worked on his commission. What he did to get land-based gaming passed saved the industry down here, saved the industry. We, I don't know that we'd be here right now if, if that law wasn't passed. And you said, oh, no, just rebuild on the water and hope, hope you don't get destroyed next time. So yeah. we have, by being on shore, so to speak, we have a lot better chance of surviving. And we have survived big storms uh, since Katrina. Where yeah, they get a little water on the first floor, but they they kind of wash up and open for business in a couple of weeks, and versus being gone for months or gone completely. And then you look at the insurance side; the insurance would have not touched a lot of these casinos. They would have said, "No, no, no, uh, we we took one hit, we can't take another." So what Haley Barber's done as a governor, uh, uh, especially after Katrina, uh, was really powerful uh, support of the gaming industry. Against, yeah, a lot was of, it? against a lot of people that he had to talk to that didn't want to do it. Yeah. I, I, listen, um, I had a front row seat, as you know, to all of this, yep. which is one of the reasons I had the honor of writing the forward to his book. But it, it was, uh, you know, at the time, if you remember, Billy McCoy, a Democrat, was the Speaker of the House. He was literally a worm, worm farmer from Rienzi, Mississippi. And he had he had he was opposed to gaming. He yeah. had to sort of, you know, under he understood the economic impact of this. And at one point after one of our meetings, he literally put his arm around me and said, 
I'm going to do whatever I've got to do to help the coast rebuild. And buddy, he meant it. He meant it to yeah. the depth of his heart. Hey, when we come back on the other side, we'll finish this conversation about about Haley Barber, and um, and we'll we'll uh, you know pick up anything else that we might have been any any other open issues. But we're having a conversation with Michael uh, Sunderman, and uh, we'll see you after this break. So listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is the Ricky Matthews Show on Super Talk Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to the Ricky Matthews Show. I have my friend Michael Sunderman, and we're talking about, actually, we're talking about the Hall of Fame, the Gaming Hall of Fame from Mississippi that is done each year, and we're going through each of the four inductees this year that will be celebrated soon. And we were talking about Haley Barber. One other point I want to make about Haley Barber, it was, uh, you know, I got to see firsthand and was actively engaged in the conversations around how to get land-based gaming in the, in the state, Then Haley's ability to be able to walk across the aisle and create bipartisan support for something like that was something to behold. And one of the, he and I have had numerous conversations about that here on this show, in fact, about the work that he was doing in Washington. And, and listen, what happened is right after Hurricane Katrina, New Orleans or Louisiana went to the, the, went to Washington and asked for $250 billion, but no substance behind it. And it created a chilling effect in, in, in the capital of uh, this nation. And what Haley did is he used the governor's commission and all this work we were doing in the trenches to develop clear a clear plan for what the infrastructure ask needed to be. Then he ended up having to recalibrate what the what this big multi-billion dollar ask was going to be that in fact ended up helping Louisiana. That's the interesting part of it. Mm-hmm. But the rebuilding of our bridges, the rebuilding of Highway 90, the rebuilding of all this, you know, uh, sewage and water infrastructure that you see all across coast of Mississippi, all those things enabled us to be able to rebuild our homes and rebuild our businesses and this is so long, we would never be able to get to all of the things that he did to help. Yeah. The, and all of that benefited the casino industry in a, a very significant way. Yes. Yeah, we, we got families back in school. We got families back to work. Um, and, and, and that means the workforce for the casino industry came back. Yeah. Uh, they, they wouldn't be able to open without the workforce. I and mean, you're talking about down here, 12,000 jobs or so. That's incredible. Yeah. No, he's, he's a great leader. I, I envy you for, for, for being able to work on that committee and seeing that man work and see how his mind works. Yeah, it was, a, it was amazing. Yeah, so, I, also, I thought that, that whole night, June 29th, uh, it's, it's deemed a celebration of gaming. And there's a lot to celebrate when you talk about gaming down here statewide. Yeah. Uh, but if you look at what's happening to the coast, we're kind of borderline, you know, before gaming, you know, cities nearing bankruptcy and, and facilities being run down. Now it's all shiny and new. All, all the schools are healthy. The cities are healthy. The tax base is strong. We have housing boom over the last 10, 15 years. Uh, so that's all worth celebrating. So we're going to have uh, Mayor Billy Hughes from Gulfport and May- Mayor Fofo Gillich 
from Biloxi doing a little keynote on, on what gaming's done for their cities. And that should be pretty enlightening. So it, it, it's going to be a great evening. Um, uh, then at the end, we're going to... Um, we're going to uh, present Todd and the Baco Foundation, uh, hopefully a nice check of money raised that evening. So uh, should be it should be a great evening to celebrate gaming. Wow, that is so awesome! That's so it's an it's an awesome event every year. I mean, it's because there's so many wonderful people to celebrate, and it's a and it's an industry to celebrate. At the end of the day, as yeah. you pointed out, I mean, and, what that is. You you got to work with the governor on on these boards for the Hall of Fame and stuff, and on and the Mississippi Gaming and Hospitality Association board. I get to work with all these GMs throughout the state, men and women that are so bright uh, and so creative, and there's just not a problem they don't think they can solve uh, or have a better solution to. When 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 COVID hit, they immediately went into action and put out a safety plan, uh, and we opened up way earlier than I expected us to. Yeah, they, they, had to, they had to go to our governor at the time and say, "Hey, here's our plan. Let us do it." And they did innovative, innovative. As uh, you know, you thank you for for reconnecting with our friend Tim Hinckley. But that conversation with Tim was a wonderful opportunity to not only talk about the early days, but to talk about how bringing people in like Tim, people like Tim into this community, it raised the bar. It raised yeah. the bar of leadership. It raised the bar of expectation. It raised the bar of uh, there's really nothing that we don't think we can accomplish if we put our heads together. And there's a guy that needs to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, Tim Hinckley, for sure. My goodness. Woo! What a, <laughs> what a power player he was yeah. in those early days. Yeah. And his commitment to the community, that's what's interesting. A lot of what it worked that he did was quiet. I mean, he just, mm -hmm. uh, he, he did it through his own commitment, whether it be the Chamber, United Way, or any number of other ways that he contributed back. But he, he personalized this community. He personalized the gaming industry to the community. And um, he put a, he helped us put a face with an industry and it was he was like the 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 ultimate um, bridge. Yeah. He was the ultimate bridge. Don't you yeah. agree? Yeah, he's you know he's just a, a good guy from Michigan, and um, it wasn't the slick guy from Las Vegas or Atlantic City coming in here. Uh, so people felt at ease with Tim right from the get go, uh, and and he went out and and got himself involved in the community, met all the players, told them what they're going to do, and then lived up to those words. And, and gave him that and more. So, and he a lot. He had a lot of his managers, uh, you know, voluntold, I guess, to be on these boards, charity boards. Let's get our name out there. Let's do aisle style. They call it back then aisle style. Let's do it aisle style. Yeah, I love that voluntold. Yeah, <laughs> I've I've been there as a leader. That's a good word. Yeah, I bet that yeah. that word doesn't actually exist, but I, I can assure you it should because yeah. you know, we've all been voluntold and we've all voluntold. Yeah. So anyway, hey Michael, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you, man. Thank Thanks you. for your continued commitment to the community, my friend. Uh, we enjoy it. Mary and I just enjoy it. We have a great team here to help us get it done. I know you do. I know you do. God bless you, my friend. Hey, have a great day and we'll see you tomorrow. Thanks, Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. 
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.